Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. If you want to open up your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah 29 or switch them on to Jeremiah 29. And our live event is happening on the Bible.com app, version as well. So you can follow along there uh, and tap in. Make sure your location services are on and you can follow along the Bible references there as well. So... Um, a couple of weekends ago, uh, many of you might know our second daughter Grace has uh, moved down to Melbourne and uh, she's settling in there. She moved... Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to come and give me a message. I oh, know, you're going to come and sit with your wife. Hey, good. All right. So um, Grace moved to Melbourne. Uh, she was down there for about a week and she spent uh, the last 10 days over in Thailand as part of an um, exposure trip, uh, visiting slums and going out to farms and uh, all sorts of things and uh, harvesting yams and harvesting, what was the other thing? Sugarcane and then planting sugarcane and yams and all sorts of things. Um, but before she went over to Thailand, she came home for a weekend and uh, she spent the weekend with us before travelling back down to Melbourne, being the uh, capable young adult that she is, um, until she got to Green Lake, just past the other side of the roadworks. And uh, she actually, the first I knew about it was my wife ringing me and saying, I'm at Green Lake and Grace's car won't start. Um, what do you mean it won't start? Why, why are you at Green Lake? Well, Grace, being the young adult capable that she is, had forgotten something. So she still needed a mum to drive it out to Green Lake for her. So they, they got out there and uh, the car wouldn't start. The battery had absolutely dead, absolutely gone, stopped. So Henry arrives, um, as, and as I say, and that, you know, they ring up me because I've got all the knowledge. Um, <laughs> I'm the dad. Is the car in park? Is the car in neutral? Is there a kill switch that we don't know about? No, 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 no. Well, guess what? She's paid for RACV. That's who she'll have to call. Um, Being the great, generous dad that I am, um, I made her call RACV. Um, Now, the problem with RACV is you have to wait. Um, Now, I don't know if you ever waited on the side of a highway... But it's not a very comfortable place to wait, is it? It's a frustrating place to wait. Has anyone been stuck on the side of a highway have to wait? Who loves it? No one. You don't sit there and think, oh, this is a nice relaxing time to wait, do you? You don't sit there and think, oh, I'll just take a bit of time to read a book. I don't, you do. <laughs> Leonie's just saying she watched an episode of McLeod's Daughters on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> That's taken as it comes. That's nice. That's good. Well, I suppose that does give you more if you've got that download capacity. That's great. But it is uncomfortable. And we're not fans of waiting at the best of times, but we're not fans of waiting particularly in unexpected places, in unexpected ways, in uncomfortable places. Um, and we struggle, maybe we struggle to see the opportunities that might be before us or any opportunity on the side of a highway. It's not really that possible to get any benefit unless you're watching McLeod's Daughters. Um, but 
And I guess for me, this is a reflection of not only where we stand as, a, as the Horsham Church of Christ, but also where we stand and how we engage as the church as a bigger body, as a larger body. It's this tension of knowing uh, where we have come from or understanding where we've come from, but having a sense of what we're moving towards and this constant in-between. And it feels like at different times that we're sitting on the side of the highway waiting for something to happen. And it's not always very comfortable, is it? The amount of people that, you know, you, you can read through social media and the concern that Christians have uh, about the, the church being persecuted now in Australia because there are a few decisions that aren't going our way and are not reflecting Christian morals or Christian ways that we think somehow we should reflect because of our history, because Australia has been known once upon a time as a Christian nation. And now it's not, and our language has changed. All of a sudden, we're calling ourselves a persecuted church in Australia. We're not persecuted, by the way. Um, it might yet be to come, but we're a long way from being persecuted. A, we're able to come into this place, people know we gather, and we don't sit here under threat of being arrested. Not yet. No, fine. But we don't have to sit here thinking, oh, we're going to get persecuted, let's become people of fear. We don't like the fact that we have to wait. And I think we've got some questions around how we respond because as a world that no longer exists, as we anticipate a world that is yet to come, whatever that might look like when the fulfilment of, um, of heaven comes and uh, heaven and earth become one and there's no more tears and no more pain and no more death or dying. Uh, dying and death are the same thing. Um, or, or mourning uh, or sickness or illness, as the Revelation says. We're waiting for that world to come. But what does it look like to wait on the side of the road along, along the way? Waiting for Jesus to return. And I guess the questions that I'm asking as we think about this, how do we respond while we are living in between? And I honestly did not know where we would be as a church. I had no plan that we would be gathered in this way. I, I, I couldn't have planned this better if I tried. As we think about the series Journey Into, and this title today is While We Live In Between, there's something happening here that's beyond me. But there's a bigger question. How do we respond as followers of Jesus while we're living in between? How do we respond even if we're not following Jesus while we're waiting for something else, a sense of expectation? How do we respond with a set with and engage with a changing world? How do we give our children a sense of resilience and skills? Because waiting, whether on the side of a highway, as a church, or waiting as followers of Jesus, or waiting in any capacity, is uh, living in between, is unsettling, it's disturbing. And yet here we still are and we are still breathing. So on there, um, maybe if you've got your Bibles open, I know you've already got it open to uh, Jeremiah maybe. Uh, I've got Genesis chapter 12. I want to go right back to close to the start. Genesis chapter 12 uh, verses 1 to 3. And I want, to, I want us to hold this here as God's promise. Remember, this is God's promise. This is God initiating something for his people and building something for his people. So the Lord, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
Now, as we're thinking about this, I want, as I said, I want to hold that there as God's promise. That's God's initial promise. The thing about that promise is that this has never been done before. This is a new thing. This is God speaking into a tribal village kind of mindset. You do not leave your family. This is generations of family that are here. You do not just pack up and leave. You do not just pack up and go out on your own. And yet this is God who is saying to Abram, go and these are the things that I will do for you. So when we hear go, we think, what? And we miss out on what God is wanting to do. Um, so the last few weeks, we've talked about Exodus and we've talked about the story of Moses and the people of Israel. We've realised and understood and seen that God sees and hears his people. He's concerned for his people. He's rescued his people. He rescued his people, not just in the people of Israel moving out of Egypt, but he's rescued his people in terms of coming down and revealing himself fully through Jesus Christ. Um, and he's, under, he's wanting to uh, restore us into a full relationship with him. We saw in the people of Israel that they got distracted at Mount Sinai. All the things that God had blessed them with became their idol, became the very thing that they built an idol with. All the gold that the people of Egypt had given to the people of Israel became what they built so they could have their own focus. We didn't get so far as stepping into the promised land. The reading we're about to read is kind of skipped ahead a few hundred years. But after they'd come out of Mount Sinai, they stepped into the promised land after wandering around for 40 years. That's some kind of waiting, isn't it? 40 years in the wilderness. They eventually establish themselves, or rather God establishes them, as a nation to be challenged. And not only was Israel known, but Israel was known because of the God that they served. Because people, the tribes around them, the nations around them, recognised that that God, their God, was the one true God. In a time and an age where everyone had all their own gods and if you were successful, your God was bigger. Your God was the strongest one. Now this nation, remember, is one of the smallest nations, one of the most pathetic nations, and God has built them. They came from nowhere. They shouldn't have been able to do this except for what God did. And then we read the stories of Israel. You can read through um, and you can read that they're an unfaithful people. And we jump ahead to a guy by the name of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He's a sook. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say. Um, but he's known as this miserable kind of overwhelmed kind of guy, not sure what to do. Jeremiah is actually the longest book in all the scriptures in terms of verses and words written. Uh, longer than the Psalms, uh, this contains the most kind of words and the most expressions in the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to read from Jeremiah 29. And when we think of Jeremiah 29, who thinks, what verse do we think of? 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Which is all very nice. And it's a great memory verse. Except we actually miss out on so much if that's all we grab. So we're going to read Jeremiah 29. I've also included in the live event, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, 
which will give you somewhat of a history and somewhat of a movement through what Jeremiah warns about and is talking about through this time. So you can just see the unfolding story there. I'm not going to read Second Chronicles 36. But Jeremiah 29, first nine verses. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, Jeremiah has been left in Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of Babylon, has taken a selection of people to Babylon. So he's divided Jerusalem. He's left them broken and shattered. People, all the people who helped create Jerusalem have been removed and taken to a foreign land. They've been removed out of what they've known, out of what they've experienced, and they're not sure what their future holds, while there's a remnant still left in Jerusalem. Uh, this was after King Jehoiachin, Geo, depending on your accent, and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. So he's taken the skilled workers, the artistic people, the artisans, the, the fine kind of detailed people, and they're in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is Jeremiah in verse 3. He entrusted the letter to Elisar, son of Saphan, and to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, oh, Jeremiah well, however you want to say those names. If, if you ever wanted an unusual name, read the Old Testament for your babies. Um, <laughs> Son of Hilakar, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. As said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now that sounded like a lot of words with a lot of names. Here's what's happening essentially. God has spoken to Jeremiah. Jeremiah has written it down on a letter and he's asking people to be, for that letter to be sent from Jerusalem where he is to Babylon. Okay? You following? Yeah. Oh, that's good. This is the word of the Lord uh, in verse 5. Uh, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So there's people here who are longing, you know, in Babylon, you can go read um, Jeremiah 29, you can read the response from a prophet or a false prophet in Babylon, and he wants Jeremiah killed. Um, so there's false prophets happening in Babylon, and Jeremiah, the appointed prophet uh, of the Lord, is saying a very clear and direct message to the people who have been taken out. So here's the thing. Regardless of our waiting, regardless of living in between, God is still calling his people to be a people of blessing. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we are still being called to be a people of blessing. So in the same way that God calls Abram out of what he has known to go into a country that he doesn't know, and why does he want him to do that? So that God will bless Abram and God will bless the world through Abram. Are you hearing a similar tone to what Jeremiah is witnessing to? So 
See, this is an unusual kind of thing because you don't get taken into exile and then establish yourselves as a nation in there. When you get taken into an exile, you become slaves. But God is actually establishing something new and different. Don't live as slaves. You've done that. You've been there. How'd that go for you? Don't live as slaves. Live as free people. Live as people who bring joy. Live as people who bring hope. Live as people who bring meaning. Live as people who influence and shape and change the community that you're a part of. See, this is the nation that has destroyed Israel's home. They've destroyed their place of worship. They've destroyed their temple. So in their mind, they now have nowhere. And they would be thinking, as they're in Babylon, one day, one day we will get back to Egypt. Uh, not to Egypt, I don't want to go that far back. Uh, back to Jerusalem. And God establishes them and says, look, you're going to be like this for 70 years. And now the instructions for these people is that they are to bless their enemies and settle there and bring peace and prosperity. And I think this is a huge word for the church today. Because I think it's really easy to find a place where we bemoan what once was, where we bemoan the decisions that are being made today, where we bemoan the traditions and the history that are no longer the same and we miss the opportunities to be people of blessing. See, in between where we once were and where we hope to be, where we'd like to be or where we thought we would be, we have to choose how we will participate. How will we engage? How will we connect? How will we partner with? And we can go back and we can be slaves. The same story for the people of Israel. You can go back there and you can have the same mentality that you had when you were in Egypt and coming out of Egypt. You can live as slaves the rest of your life. You can complain about how hard life is. You can complain about everything that's gone wrong. You can sit in that your whole life. Or you can, you can sit there and talk about and be negative about everything that's happened. Uh, you could sit around and talk about uh, just waiting for Jesus to return. And we do it every now and then. Like I know I've done it somewhat in jest. Oh, you know, come Lord Jesus. He's not going to come on my terms. Is, is he going to come at your invitation? I don't think so. We can sit and wait. Now, waiting means we just kind of gather in a nice little clubhouse, make ourselves feel better, tick a box, and we wait for Jesus to return. But I don't think that's what we're called to either. It's certainly a hope that we have, whatever that might look like. But I don't think that's what Jesus actually demonstrated either. So we can live as slaves, we can sit where we are and just wait for Jesus to fix it all. Or we can be a people who bring blessing. We can be people who bring joy and influence, who shape policy and influence decisions. 1 Peter um, chapter 2. Now, this is a people who are under persecution. <laughs> These are people who had their lives threatened. These are people who were being murdered for their faith. And we know that there's many people throughout our world who struggle with this continually still. 
And this is the word that Peter writes to the church. Dear friends, in verses 11 and 12, sorry, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So he still has an understanding. There's still an understanding that you've, you're not where you're meant to be. You're, you're not... This is not how this world was imagined to be. This is not how this world was created to be. You've been cast out. You've been, um, what's, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you've been oh, cut off, struck out from where you thought you would be and now you're living in a place as a foreigner in exile because you've been scattered. I urge you as foreigners in exiles to abstain from sinful desires which weigh war against your soul. All right, so there's a reality here about the world that you're a part of. Choose what has your attention. Choose what has your focus. Don't create your own idols. All right, And then he goes on in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sounds incredibly familiar, doesn't it, really? Sounds the same words as Jeremiah. And I want to say, I have seen this church be a blessing in our community. There's plenty of people here who work in workplaces and bring a blessing into those workplaces. But I saw it at Relay for Life. I've, you know, we've often had a, or we've had a conversation in different ways about, you know, do we have a Church of Christ team at Relay for Life? But then, you know, I see... Um, the Harvest Youth and our youth together in a tent and they walk around doing laps. I see some of our people who go and they're with their workplaces and they're with their schools and I think that's what it is. That's where our teams are. That's where our people are, bringing blessing as part of those communities. It's really easy. We, we could create our own team, but we've already got people who are working in schools and places that go and create their own team. I think it's fantastic. But see, I know people who work for Legacy are part of our church. There's numerous staff and students of local schools influencing the next generations we've talked about before. There's people who work and represent on numerous community groups. The Men's Shed and, and um, Urban Land Care and Huge opportunities that people have to be a blessing to the community. And maybe there's others that you know about and are a bit quieter. But then what if we could buy houses and build low-rent accommodation for families in need? What if we could provide refuge for families in domestic violence? What if we could provide housing so that homeless could find a sense of belonging and a sense of healing? Maybe there are laws that you could influence and shape. Um, read recently that there's some laws uh, coming about um, changes to non-profits and how they manage, uh, how churches can engage with non-profits and raise funds and what that looks like. And there's some law changes coming for that. So, you know, maybe you're a person who understands law and loves reading all the government white papers and can contribute to that and can get through. I don't know if you love doing that, but... You might be that person. I don't have to be. But I think the other thing is we need to do it and bless it, not just so that we protect the interest of the church, because I don't think that's our call, but we want to do it because we want to bless the community. And we want to bless the community because that's God's promise. 
I will bless you so that you might be a blessing because through me, you will be a blessing to the community and the world will know who I am. And I think we need to have a mentality shift in the way that we think about it because often we can do things to protect our own interests. We protect our own heart. And yeah, the church, yeah, we, need to be a vocal, we need to be vocal, we need to be passionate. There's no doubt about it, but not for the sake of protecting our own interests, but for the sake of standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. For the interest of bringing a blessing into the community. And maybe some of those things that I talked about a few minutes ago are too big for us. Maybe that's too far beyond what we think. But maybe you're a person who can go and visit people in a nursing home. You know, if, you went, if we went and knocked on the nursing home and spoke to the manager and said, hey, I just had a really on my heart that I could come and visit people, who doesn't get a visit from their families? There's plenty of those people in our nursing homes. Could we organise toiletry packs for the homeless and leave them at the emergency food centre? I think the emergency, does the emergency food centre do that already? Someone know? Pauline, where are you? Yeah, they do that? Yeah. So talk to Pauline about how we can support. And Could you visit the neighbour that you haven't seen for a while? Have you noticed the neighbour's grass is getting a bit out of control on the nature strip? Go and mow it. Don't complain about it, just go and mow it. Or pay for someone else to mow it. I don't know. Leave them a meal. Leave them a coffee voucher. Pay for a stranger's meal or coffee or pay for a mate's meal. You're standing in line, you say, oh, someone's standing behind me, they've come, what do you want? I'll pay for your coffee. What? Why? Oh, because well, I want to bless the community. Why? Because I follow Jesus. Invite someone for a walk or into your home. Weed a neighbour's yard if you're that way inclined. Find out about someone else, not just, not just what they're doing, not just how they're... If someone's frustrating you, find out about them. Find out what's happening in their world. And cover everything in prayer because we need to understand our why because it's easy to do a lot of things. It's easy just to have a what. Or a how. But we need to know a why. So our why is really simple. We want to be part of transforming our community in Jesus' name. How can we do that? And it's a long, slow haul in blessing people, in bringing life and joy into our community. Understand our why. We talk a lot about our what. You know, we gather. You know, we come to church on Sundays. That's a what. Why do we do that? Because we want to see you transformed. I don't want to do that just because we want to have a clubhouse mentality. If you want a clubhouse mentality, join the Lions Club. They probably join the Apex. Join, I don't know. It's probably a bit harsh on the Lions Club. They do a great pair of work. Sorry. Um, understand now why. Because it's about transformation. And we shouldn't make apologies for that. We want to be a people of blessing. Um, and we want to follow the example of uh, Jesus, of course. John chapter 12, verses 25 to 26. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. In John chapter 13, verses 14 to 17. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Is anyone, is anyone a fan of Tim Winton, the Australian author, Tim Winton? Anyone? No? Or someone? Okay. Um, so Tim Winton, I think, grew up in Western Australia. His dad was a police uh, officer uh, on the motorbikes. Uh, and he tells a story of his dad being injured uh, tragically one day, ran into a brick wall. Broken pelvis, broken collarbones, enormous amounts of damage, in hospital for months and months and months until he was finally brought home. And Tim Winton tells a story that he was a broken man in so many ways. You know, dad, 1960, macho, tough, provide for the families, everything under control, gone. No longer able to provide for the family. Mum had to go and work for the kids, provide for the kids. Probably so many other stories about it. And then one day, this stranger that they have never, ever met before rocks up on their door and says, G'day, I'm just here to care for your dad. He starts picking his dad up, picking up out of the bed and going and washing him in the bath. Can you imagine what that would have been like in late 60s, early 70s? He didn't walk up and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I want, to wash you, I want to wash your dad. He offered blessing first. Now, Tim Winton won't call himself a follower of Jesus, but he rem- it's a powerful example and his mum and dad became Christians because of that. Because some odd man showed up and said, I've heard you're in trouble. I want to come and take care of you. And for the next number of you, I don't know how many long it was, he washed this guy. And that's, I don't know, that messes with me. You know, if we talk about what Jason spoke about in terms of having the capacity to be served, and yet the instruction from Jesus, the command from Jesus, is that now that you have seen this, now that I have set you the example, go and do likewise. And not to get a tick in the box. I know there's a lot of people who do a lot of things and you might not ever be known for it or recognised for it or thanked for it. Well done. Well done. At some point, we need to keep going and speaking blessing into our community regardless of what's happening for a church because we want to be bringing transformation in the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, why? informed his how and his what. He knew who he was and he knew what he was about and he knew what he was working towards and that informed how he lived. 
He knew he was going to the cross. And he didn't sit in the corner and say, I'm going to the cross. He lived in such a way that brought blessing and hope and meaning and changed the world. Because you're sitting here. <laughs> See, we want to invite people into journey into the fulfilment of the promise that is through God. See, the danger here is that we can live in misery doing it. A sense of sacrifice like it's brownie points for heaven. One day I'll get my house in heaven. I'm not sure that's how Jesus wants us to live either. See, better it is to live out of the joy that we've received because God has seen, because he's heard and because he's concerned for you and I, as he's concerned for your neighbours, as he's concerned for your family, as he's concerned for your friends, as he's concerned for your colleagues. He sees them and he hears their cries for mercy and he's concerned for them and he's rescued them. So the real blessing comes out of struggle and heartache. The real blessing is the gift that we get to offer this world out of our own brokenness because God has redeemed it, because he's put it back together, because he continues to be putting it back together. And despite the fact Jesus knew where the journey was leading, he continued to bless the world. I guess we're left with a question, aren't we? How will we choose to live? What are we chasing after? What are we sitting in that we're being called out of? Maybe we can live in a way that brings hope and joy, prosperity and blessing as we realise the world we once knew is no longer and as we wait and anticipate a world that is yet to come. May we be people who journey into life. Father, we want to thank you and honour you for who you are and just for the blessing that you bring, for the promise that you have made to uh, bring blessing, to make Abram a people of blessing. We want to be a people of blessing. Forgive us, Father, because we forget that. Forgive us, Father, because we get caught up in um, distractions and heartache and problems and waiting on the side of highways, whatever that looks like for us at different times, when things don't go according to plan. Help us to see you. Help us to remember what you are doing. Help us to remember that our why is to live an abundant life, to live in a life that reflects your love and your blessing so that the world might know who you are. Holy Spirit, awaken us to the promises. Awaken us to uh, those things that maybe we're sitting in that you don't want us to sit in. Awaken us and help us to again hear the call to go whatever that looks like for each one of us. Help us to see our neighbours in new ways, our colleagues in new ways. Help us to see people as we walk down the street. May we bring blessing and transformation in the name of Jesus. Amen.